Hey everyone, I'm Amanda. And I'm Allie. We are so glad you've joined us today. Our podcast is a platform for women to share their stories. We have a different woman share a story on the first of every month. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but in the end, it's always encouraging. Be sure to hit subscribe so you'll be alerted the next time we have a podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, livingoutloud.today. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you will enjoy the show. Now it's time to meet our next guest. Good morning. Hey, hey. So this is probably one of the first times, or maybe in a long time, that we are actually recording in the morning yes. with our coffee. Because uh-huh. usually it's after lunch, right. and I can't drink coffee after lunch. So this just feels really good. It does. And it's a lot of fun. I brought my mug. You, I, brought, you bought me a coffee. Yeah, Thank and you, you know what? I already, you're so welcome. Yeah. And I already had my one cup of coffee on the way to drop my sixth grader off at school and then I was meeting you and then you were like we get to have coffee together and I was like oh I'm gonna Uh-oh. swing by and get another <laughs> cup because this is so fun we never get to do it so I don't always drink two cups but you're worth it well thank you and I don't either so if I start talking really fast just be like slow down <laughs> breathe <laughs> breathe okay the people who have three or four cups a day are laughing at us yeah so if you if you put your podcast on like what is it times one times two five or whatever to make it faster yeah you might want to slow it down today because we're gonna be talking fast yes and i would say uh other months speed it up because our country draws right we draw it out okay so there's something i want to talk about and um it's kind of a touchy subject for a lot of people especially in the christian world and very valid reason why but it's like a buzzword enneagram yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so um, for those of you that are listening, I don't know, you know, if you've studied Enneagram or if you've even taken the test um, with my husband being a counselor, I was familiar with it because, mm-hmm. I mean, what is it really? A personality test. Yes. It makes me think about the Myers-Briggs that mm-hmm. was really popular in high school and college. Um, for me, I would take that. And it was very it was a really good resource and a really good tool to just kind of figure out. You're leaning kind of more about your personality, um, not being something like, hey, this is who you are, but yeah, this is, you know, kind of a part about you or putting words to kind of how you're feeling or helping you make decisions and kind of looking back onto um, your life or trauma or circumstances. And anyway, it was really helpful for me. So I wanted to talk about my most recent experience. I had always heard of the Enneagram, but I had never taken the test. Yeah. Um, I had been weary of it, honestly, because I had heard a lot about its roots, which it's rooted in paganism. Yes. And that is like, absolutely no way. I don't want to do that. Right. Um, Because I'm following the Lord and I want to do, I don't want to give the enemy a foothold, you know, in my life and study something that is not true. Right. Right. Um, And one of my friends introduced me to this website and it's called Your enneagramcoach.com and um, don't quote me on these details but I'm pretty sure she is married to a pastor and they have started this website and I'm going to read their mission it says to help you and your clients see themselves with astonishing clarity with enneagram through the lens of the gospel so they can break free of self-condemnation fear shame and knowing and experiencing the unconditional love forgiveness and freedom in Christ And so I took the assessment on their page, and it was really, really helpful um, in many ways because it it talks about Jesus and the gifting, um, if you are a certain number, and 
anyway, long story short, um, I just wanted to tell you this. My whole life, mm-hmm. well, I guess the last, not my whole life, but adult life, everyone had told me, well, you haven't taken the test, but you're a one. Do you know what a one is? I don't. On the Enneagram, a one. I, I'm probably the only person in the world that do, no, do, okay. does not know all the numbers because I feel like every person I know is like, I'm a blank. They I'm like, what are you? you? What you are? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know because I, I haven't know. studied it that right. much. Right. Yeah. And one is a perfectionist, and everyone's like, you just your your lean is perfectionism, OCD. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, I guess I'm one. Cool, whatever. Yeah. I never really thought about it. Um, I shared last month that one of my favorite things was counseling. And mm-hmm. over the last couple of months, I've been doing some counseling um, personally. And I decided to take it from this website. And when it revealed that I was an eight, which mm-hmm. was a protective challenger, it was mind-blowing to me, not because of how right the words and the description was, but because it wasn't what I had been told that I was yeah. my whole life. Yeah. And um, it was really really, really cool for me. I think God used it. I know that God used it to reveal some things in my life of truth of, hey, you know, this is what you've labeled yourself Mm -hmm. as. This is what people have labeled you. But you are not a perfectionist. You have this mistrust, almost like this lacking of trust in me, which was hard to hear from Mm -hmm. him. But you are reaching, you are looking for control, and you are using perfection as a coping mechanism. Mm. Not You're not a perfectionist, but you are using that as a false coping mechanism to trying to control your yeah. surroundings. And it was so powerful. And that didn't come from the Enneagram. That didn't come from this website. That came from God. But he used that tool to almost kind of bring the words and the knowledge to me in my mind. And then he was like, no, this is who you are. Yeah. And this is who I've called you to be. And so it was just really, um, really impactful to me. And um, I just wanted to share that. If you're listening, and I know you want to say some things probably, mm-hmm. Amanda. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you're listening and you have wanted to know kind of what what more about your personality or wanted to see what the Enneagram is about, um, not the Enneagram <laughs> I guess that's like rooted in paganism, but um, doing it in a way, if you feel like um, taking the test from this website would be really beneficial for you, I want to I want to encourage you to do so. Um, but we have to be careful, too. Yeah, well, and you know, we, we were talking about this earlier when you asked me about it, and you and I are on, are on the same page. Mm-hmm. We... Um, it's all about how you look at it. I am more careful not to say what my Enneagram is. I'm more like, hey, this. let's take a personality test. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I've listened to the things too and what I've learned about it. And all of my friends, godly friends, they know their Enneagram. And I never like correct them of like, oh, I don't do the Enneagram. Right. Because they're not meaning it in a paganism way. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm just more convicted, just like you are, because we've heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is very important, like businesses do this, like trying to find out their employees' mm-hmm. um, personality tests because it, it helps so you know how to work stuff. with people. Um, I think it's it's important to know what your personality is. Um, and I know we want to talk about this too because we were talking about how, I, but I don't like... I think a lot of times people use it as an excuse of like, this is what we were talking about, of like, okay. Not being able to change. Not being able to change. Oh, yeah. this is just who I am. And mm-hmm. I mean, that is so unbiblical because mm-hmm. 
I mean, the Lord wants to change so many things in us. Yeah. I mean, he made us a certain way, but we're sinful. And there are things that need to become more like the Lord. He's chipping away things every single day. Yeah. Even if it's about our personality, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he makes us a certain way, but the goal is to be like the Lord. Um, and we're not perfect. We're not, I mean, we are being sanctified every day. We will not be there until we are in the glorification stage when exactly. Jesus comes back. Um, but I think that we do have to be careful of those things of like, okay, this is how I am. I'm not going to change. But mm-hmm. I loved what you said. It was very interesting of how you thought you were a certain mm-hmm. personality, mm-hmm. Um, but your things change those things too. And, yeah. and the controlling thing. And I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more because you're going to share your favorite thing. And I want you to share it because I've got something that kind of goes along with that. Okay. So what is your favorite thing this month? Well, one more thing I want to say before I share that. Um, I think that as, as I was thinking back to kind of what you were talking about, it's really interesting to me because when we take those personality tests, we want to believe that this is how we were born. Like, okay, for example... You know, I'm a protective challenger, and I was just born that way, which God does. We are born a certain way, yeah. you know, with a certain set of gifting. Right. Um, but going through p- therapy and looking back over my life, my parents were divorced when I was in the third grade, and that's when I, I've recognized that that's when some of these characteristics and qualities started to be intensified. Mm-hmm. And through this journey, I, I'm starting to realize and really believe that I wasn't that way before my parents were divorced. Mm-hmm. And that um, circumstance in my life made me grasp onto that protectiveness, that controlling, that need for control, that need to protect the people, myself, and then the people in my inner circle, like my younger brother, um, which kind of led me into that false coping mechanisms of control and OCD. And that's what came out from mm-hmm. that. And that was super be- beneficial to me because I was like, wow, like that's not, I want to know who that person was before. What, how did God make me before mm-hmm. that circumstance in my life? I want to know what, what I enjoyed. I want to know what my lean was to that. You know, maybe I was more of a peacemaker. Maybe I was more of a free spirit. I don't know. Yeah. You know? So it's just been really cool. That is very um, interesting and I love it I love that you shared that because it's so true life and experiences I have learned in my own life that they create you develop certain things that weren't there Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know it's because of the fall of the fallen world the sin you know yeah and it's brought me a lot of freedom to know these things you know it's been a part of the healing process that I didn't even know I needed to be healed from yes so uh, but my favorite thing, my favorite thing is what your favorite thing was last month. And I think that it deserves to be talked about two months in a row. So Beckett Cook. Oh, my His goodness. story. If I, you did not listen to it last month, you have to listen to it right now. I'm so glad you listened to it. I, like yeah. you left and listened to it. I left and it's a, it was an hour and a half and I just could I was stop. like, I know she'll want to listen to it, but no, will she have time stop. to listen to Incredible. it? And it, there's just something about his story. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, do you want to say anything more about that, Because about him? Yeah, so if you listened last month, Amanda explained it a little bit, um, and we have a link from last month's podcast to listen to his story. It's on Cynthia Garrett's podcast, but you can find it on others as well. Um, and he was a gay man who was the youngest of eight 
siblings. Yes. Yeah, I think they grew up Roman Catholic. Yeah. Um, and he just kind of ventured off into this lifestyle, moved to Hollywood, and just kind of did his own thing for a long time and was convicted, I mean, within 10 minutes yeah. of going into a church service. And um, God had been stirring in his heart for a, a couple of weeks before of truth. And when he sat down in this worship service, he just heard God say, like exactly what the truth is. And I can't quote it. I think you tried to quote it. But yeah. like, I'm real. Heaven is real. Hell's real. Like, he just I totally, am the truth. Jesus is real. I mean, just mind He blown. immediately knew it was true. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, felt the Holy Spirit on him and said, you know, you are living in sin. This is wrong. Yeah. And completely changed his life. And there's so many details to that story that we could go on and on. But I just want you to listen to yourself. Listen to it yourself. And um, just see the beauty of his story and um, his ministry now and what he's doing. I'm so glad so. you listened to it. Like, I bawled. Oh, when yeah. he started saying those things, I the Holy Spirit was just like, yeah. I just couldn't contain myself. Because right. that's how powerful he is. And I think a lot of times we forget about how he radically changes people. Uh, right. And in our culture, I think we sometimes are like, okay, we know that God can change anyone and do anything. Mm-hmm. But there's that part of us of like, but will that person let, I mean, will it happen? Yeah. And here is an, a man who was full-blown homosexual, lived that lifestyle, mm-hmm. and God mm-hmm. changed his life. And then he changed not, not just that his life in that moment, but it, he didn't go back there. No, he says. Like, it was over. He says, I have no desire for that life. He said, it's so dark. And people don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And so there's just so much. And, hey, this is a person who was in that that is telling us this. Oh, so, in the thick of the thick. I mean, in Hollywood. Yeah. He talks about all of his experiences and the people that he knew. It's just And he talks about his love for Christ and how much he loves Christ. And he just can't get over how God has given him eternal, eternal life. So, anyway, it's really good. But I wanted to say, too, kind of connects a little bit of what you were saying. I think somehow maybe it will make sense. But... In that, in his story, just the way he talked, there were some things that he talked about how he had no desire for certain things. And as a mom of two older sons who are amazing, they don't struggle with uh, anything that I would like, anything like that. They don't struggle. But I know in life we all have things, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? I, in their future, they're going to have th- hard things. Right. And I, I sometimes find myself repeating and saying the same things that I've taught them all their lives, like verses about certain things. or, And I think it's totally fine for me to share what God leads me to share in certain moments. Mm-hmm. But God used his story, which is completely, my kids are not struggling with anything like that. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. But, you know, and, and I don't, I don't even see them struggling with anything particular it's just that future of like always feeling like I've got to control of like let me make I gotta attack this and attack this and Mm -hmm. God was like his story I don't know how just help me let go Mm -hmm. like Amanda you have you have poured every word in your life Mm -hmm. into them and they are awesome they love the Lord and they're gonna be okay so whatever the future holds whatever they may struggle with in the future in life, mm-hmm. whether it's pride, whether it's whatever, his spirit is big enough mm-hmm. and he's going to take care of it. And I know that, right. but it was like, I, I bawled like again, because right. I was thinking, 
I'm letting go because well, I would yeah. I, I wouldn't want to listen to me either. Like I don't want to be a nag mm-hmm. of a mom. Mm-hmm. I want to be what God's called me to be, but I want to just shut up. Well, to be able to let go with your mouth, yeah. But then to be able to fight on your knees, yes. And pray. I'll never and, stop fighting on yeah. my knees. And then and how that mama and this is part of the story was writing down a prayer, and he says that like his family never was just like throwing the Bible, the truth at him, the like, hey, you need to turn from this. I mean, he they were very clear that that he was wrong mm-hmm. in this lifestyle. I mean, mm-hmm. They did not believe he was living in truth. Yeah, but there was also just. No nagging. There was no pushing. There was no, like, but she was fighting secretly on her knees, begging God. Yeah, she just loved him and prayed. Yeah. So So. um, I don't know. We recommend and suggest this story um, to everyone. Mm -hmm. People who are not struggling with this particular sin, whatever it is that, Mm -hmm. you know, just a mom or a dad or a friend or a sister-in-law who you know, knows a person that may be struggling with something totally different, Mm -hmm. I really believe that this story will free you in some way. Yeah, I agree. Meet author J.B. Gregory. Call her Jen, though. She is a mom, wife, teacher, and writer. Not shockingly, her hobbies are reading and writing. Her husband, Sean, is an associate pastor at First Bossier. She has Jack, a junior in college, preparing for law school, and Charlie a freshman in high school. They've been married for 25 years this year. She loves time with her family, serving her church, and hanging out with her students. She is here to share her testimony from a recent health crisis that led her to publishing her first children's book on battling fear. Through that journey emerges a sweet and encouraging story of the goodness and faithfulness of God. Welcome, Jen. We are so excited to have you on this morning. I'm excited to be here. I, you spoke at our church um, in December and something you said triggered me because it was you said that you wanted to encourage people. And that's a long, long story. But that word encourage meant a lot to me. And I had the story just sort of sitting in my heart with no particular like place or direction to share it. The second you said that I'm, because of some things God tied together, I was like, I've got to contact her. This is where I need to go. So. Oh, I'm so glad you did. Um, you're encouraging me because you are a school teacher. Is that correct? Yes. And you are high at, school English. You are at school right now, recording this story, and you said, "Hey, we might have some interruptions." And I just yes. think it's so beautiful that you are so willing to share your story, um, even when with your circumstances. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be in this little room with no interruptions. That's not real life. No. And I just love that you're like, hey, this is what the time that I have, and I'm willing to share my story even with interruptions. So thank you for doing that. That's so awesome. Thank you. It's not, um, I have an admin, administration here that's so supportive. And so when I went to him and told him what the deal was, uh, my next door neighbor here is covering my class for me. And well, I'm blessed to be in an environment where that's a possibility. So, well, that's I love it. Well, I love to be at your church this last December. Thank you guys for having me. Um, what a sweet, uh, just group of ladies. And it was a big group. It was a sweet night. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm so thankful that I got the opportunity to do that. And um, thank you for reaching out to us. We are excited to hear your story. So we're just going to let you go ahead. Okay. I'm going to start just by saying, because anybody that might know me or know a little bit about me, 
I want to make sure that the, the history of this is covered. I When I talk about the heart issues I'm going to talk about, it's something I've known about for about 18 years. Uh, some people didn't realize that when I went through my health crisis, that uh, I did know I had a mitral valve leak and that one day surgery might be required. Um, and that's something I've dealt with for a long time. And it kind of became my worst fear was having that surgery. Um, because it's so extensive and it takes you out. And I mean, you guys know as moms that we, we don't want to miss a beat. We don't want to be out at all. And so a surgery like that, which are six months to a year recovery is, you know, a lot to consider. So that's for a long time been in the back of my mind. But uh, where we got started with this whole this part that I'm going to share today is I got sick in uh, 2021, uh, July the 30th or 31st or something like that. Um, I went to a wedding. I uh, we ate some food that wasn't like it was a charcuterie board um, with a lot of like salami and things like that. I ate food that I don't normally eat, and I got sick that night. Mm. And uh, it turned out that so that that seems kind of normal, right? Just a little heartburn. It was pretty extreme. I woke up feeling like I couldn't breathe, um, mm. things like that, but not. A crisis per se. My throat burned and, you know, I thought, well, that's not good. Let's get to the doctor. So I actually called my heart doctor first because I, I am under the care of a heart doctor. And I said to him, well, to his lady that takes the phone calls, um, I explained what happened and they prescribed a medicine to help with the, the acid buildup and all of that. And we got that going. And um, two weeks later, I'm still very sick and I'm kind of breathless. And so, of course, because I do know I have a heart situation, that's always the first thing we check on. But I went to my general practitioner and um, very unexpectedly got diagnosed with pneumonia. And it was from that incident. So it was like aspirated pneumonia. Um, well, that just set off a trigger of health crises. So from that moment, July 31st, um, I'm a teacher. So my school year starts like August the 5th. Um, I had been assigned to teach Bible that year, and I was excited because it would be the same kids I had in English the year before. And I'm like, okay, I get to teach them Bible this year, and I already know these kids and love them. And you know, I felt like I maybe knew how to reach them, and I was so excited about doing it. So when I get to school at the start of the year, feeling as lousy as I did, I thought, why God, am I feeling so terrible when you've given me what I felt like was a mission, a thing that I was doing for Him, and why? How was it so hard? Because I physically felt so bad. Well, I find out I have pneumonia. I take a few days off and um, think, okay, well, we'll get better. Called the heart doctor. You know, I've updated the heart doctor the whole time. And then you know, three weeks after I get past the pneumonia, because that's a three-month recovery, um, we find out I'm anemic. And that, none of this is usual for me. Like, I don't get pneumonia, and I'm not anemic. And so things just start going from bad to worse. And and it leads me to the spiral without going into all the details of it that, a health journey where you're going to the different doctors and you're asking all the questions and you know, something's wrong, but you don't know what it is. Yeah. And that's terrifying. Uh, especially when you feel worse than you've ever felt in your whole life. And you know, you have a heart problem. Um, but we couldn't, you know, it was a lot of like gastro things and the pneumonia and the anemia. So there was all these pieces and all the doctors were trying to figure out what it was. And it's just a lot of like sit and wait wait for them, wait for the appointments, wait for the diagnosis, wait for the callbacks, um, things like that. Wow. Yeah. 
I, and I think everybody's had that experience on one level or the other, where you're just you know, kind of stuck in a pattern of like, what's wrong? What are we going through here? Um, but this was, you know, I knew I felt really bad. And then in the process of that, as it goes and goes, and I see this doctor and that doctor, I realize I'm not getting better and we don't have answers. We, we sort of rule out some things like cancer, but uh, we don't rule out the heart. We don't rule out um, other major problems and diseases and things. So I just know something's really wrong. And one of the things God had given me to do was to write this children's book. And I'd had it written. I'd had it illustrated. I had not published it yet. And so along that journey, I'm sitting there and one of the songs I was listening to was Maverick City's Wait on the Lord. Um, and that song just kept saying wait, which is all I was doing at that particular juncture in my life was waiting. Um, and I said, I need to, there's something I've got to do. And I want God to know I'm dedicated to him even in the middle of this. So as I'm working full time, uh, I'm having to, you know, I had to give up some duties I had at church. Like I was doing childcare on Monday nights for our celebrate recovery ministry. And I couldn't physically keep up with that. So I gave that up and I just wanted to dedicate my time to God in a way to like sacrificially give to him at that moment. And that was the book. I knew that I was supposed to publish it. And I met a person that showed me how to do it and things about six months before so it just was laid on my heart and I go and I was like, okay, by the time I turn 45 on that, um, that birthday in October, the 24th, I want this book sent to a publisher. Mm. And that's, I, I sent it to a publisher on October 23rd. Um, and then by October 30th, I scheduled a family picture and it's like, I'm almost like arranging the worst case scenario. Like, what if this is it? This is all I get to do. I want a family picture and I want to publish my book. Um, because, and that was because of obedience, not because I really wanted to publish the book. It was because I knew I was supposed to. Yeah. Um, but all that led to the book. I'm looking through my notes here. I apologize. We had a lot of um, just difficult doctor situations. My heart doctor was amazing. My general practitioner was amazing. The other doctors I went to, I'm not going to call amazing. And that stalled us out a lot and created a lot of wait and see. And before we get to the questions, the moment where things really sunk in was our little rat terrier skipper got really sick. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but moms kind of plow through. When we get sick, we don't stop. We keep right. going. Right. And I, that's exactly what I did through this entire thing. Um, I just kept going as best I could. And my little dog got very sick. And I told my husband, I said, something's wrong. I think you're going to have to take her to the vet. I had been at the doctor having like a CT scan that day and was out of school. And I'm home with the dog and she's been laying in one spot all day. And I know she's very sick and she follows me across the house after not moving at all for like 18 hours. And she takes what looks like all of the energy she has and follows me into the den. And I just sat on the floor next to her. And I realized that she was give out, that she did not have any more in her. You could just tell she was like, I can't do anymore. Like, this is all I have and I want to be with you. And it was the saddest little moment, but also a sweet moment. But what was just terrifying about it was I could relate to her in a level that I was not comfortable with. Oh, yeah. Because I finally, as a mom, had to surrender and say, I can't do any more either. Mm -hmm. um, I was literally out of breath walking 
from my den to my laundry room. Wow. Yeah, that's so that sick. And you're just pushing through and you don't you don't allow yourself to feel it or think about it. And that day when I was just sitting with my little dog and who we had to put down that day mm -hmm. uh, because she was very sick, it turned out. But uh, it was a moment of surrender for me, just realizing, OK, she's brave enough to come to me and be with me and just let me hold her. And that, I realized that's what I wanted was just to be held and just to stop. So absolutely. I I can relate to a lot of kind of what you're talking about with the not wanting to stop. You keep charging ahead of how you feel. And I know times in my life, I, I think as moms, we learn to become really mentally tough and mentally strong just from circumstances of juggling all the things. And it's when our body starts to break down, it gets really, really scary because it's like, okay, well, I could charge ahead mentally with this and I can exhaust myself and I can just deal with it. But when my body is burnout and done and not working properly, that is a very, very scary place yeah. to be because that's when you truly, truly feel out of control and you have to come to that place of surrender. Mm -hmm. You do. And it's, it's a scary place to be. It's not, not a fun one. And it's a true place of dependence. Dependent. And I think that that, um, I know in my life that a lot of times God has to get my attention by almost waiting for my body to physically break down to say, okay, like I have your attention now. Now are you willing to listen? And I know in my personal story and in this place and where I'm at now is, okay, how can I slow down? How can I hear from him before my body physically starts yeah. to break down? Yeah. Um, Anyway, I want to hear, I want to hear a little more about your story. And I want to start with the first question. Um, so you talked about your book and yes. a little bit about that. And then my question is, was it hard for you to write a book about fear in the middle of facing some of your worst fears? Uh, well, like I said, I'd already written it a long, long time ago, actually. It was like a little, um, I don't know, a sing-song thing I said to myself uh, when I first had my son. And I know a lot of moms go through this. You go through this like when you're, your babies are babies, uh, especially the firstborn. You get scared because you realize all the things that could hurt your baby, all the things that could hurt you, and you couldn't take care of your baby. Uh, I, so anyhow, one night I had some fear, and I just came up with this little um, sing-songy thing, and it turned into a story. And that, you know, it took 15 years to kind of get the courage to even tell a friend like hey I wrote a book oh, and um, oh. I know I'm I'm really not the most uh, go-getter girl um, it takes me a long time to stop and be like oh okay that'll be what I do but this book right then the the little sing-songy thing which is monster monster here I am come and get me if you can um, it's just a silly children's book right but it comforted me in this odd way um, because it's it's reminding me to be brave and reminding me that, you know, in my mind, God is the strength behind me. And so when when I feel threatened or I feel like things are, are caving in on me, I know that he is my strength. And so that was the verse I put in the book, uh, just in the cover. The book itself is just a, a cute little story for kids. But it's um, Deuteronomy 31.6. And it says, be strong, take courage, don't be intimidated, don't give them a second thought, because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. And that was a, a true comfort to me. And um, so this book was 
I, I, if I told you all the stories and I don't have time to, but everything laid out just the way it was. And while I felt like, oh, I should have printed this sooner, I printed it right when God could minister to me best with it. And the neat part was um, I was told it'd be a Christmas miracle if I got this book by Christmas. And because um, it was in California and that was when all the boats were stuck in California and nothing was coming off of a boat for a bit. And um, and I get a message on December 23rd, the trucks in, in your neighborhood. Oh. And it actually showed up on December the 23rd. I published and, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, what do I do with a hundred boxes of books? <laughs> Got to figure that out. And I can't lift any of them still because of my heart surgery, but um, it was so wild and so unexpected um, and so fun to get that. And it just was, it, for me, it was affirmation that God's like, you did it. You know, you, you plowed through you at a hard time. You did something hard and you did something important and you dedicated it to me and here it is. And uh, so that was that. Awesome. That's so, I just, it's amazing because it just reminds me that if God put something on your heart, you can delay it. You can, if he wants you to do something, he will make a way and he will get it done, you know, and eventually, I mean, it's going to happen. And sometimes, you know, different things in our life come about that <clears throat> make it happen, provide that way, um, pave the way to kind of, you know, put us on that path. And um, it's just a, a, such a great reminder of that. What ultimately was needed in order for you to get healthy again? Okay, um, I, I was in heart failure. I found out right after my birthday, right after I'd scheduled the, right after I'd sent the book off, right after, um, uh, I guess the dog died like two days after that. but. So all this stuff was happening within a week's time, Halloween, like just all the things that moms are shuffling around, birthdays, whatever, uh, the family pictures. And then I found out I was in heart failure sometime around October the 28th. Um, and that was a shock. You know, I, I knew to watch out for my heart, but we, my, my cardiologist was just as shocked. He was like, you're not supposed to go into heart failure. This was something we were watching. This was something that was uh, going to be, we were going to watch it. We were going to tag it when it needed to be done. And we were going to get it done proactively, not after the fact. And, and the fact is I, I had this real just cocktail of bad circumstances that led to uh, driving me to that point. And that was just the, it all went wrong really fast, really just all the elements went together to make it not work out very well for me. And so I was in heart failure. And the next thing we had to do was figure out where to have surgery, what kind of surgery to have. We knew I needed a valve repair was the ideal thing, but it might be a valve replacement. Um, they wanted me to go to Cleveland and do that, but Cleveland couldn't get to me till February. And that wasn't an option for me. Uh, I don't, I guess I probably could have lived till February, but it wouldn't have been living. I would have been sitting in a chair, not working, not doing anything. So um, well, ultimately we had surgery in Shreveport and that was another just huge blessing is that we thought we couldn't get the surgery I needed in Shreveport and the surgeon I found Chris, great Christian man, Dr. John David Ham, and, um, Dr. Ham was able to repair the valve, which is best for my body and more natural. And that was a big deal. We did, my cardiologist didn't think we could have that done in Shreveport, um, and so I was able to stay close to my family, have that surgery, and 
then I had to do all the the recovery that goes with that, which is a lot of uh, physical therapy, a lot of walking, a lot of eating right, um, just doing whatever you can to take care of yourself. And there's a ton of restrictions for six weeks after surgery. So uh, you can't lift anything over seven pounds for six weeks because your sternum's broken. So it took a long time, but that surgery ultimately um, led to me getting healthier. You must have to go through all that healing and long process to be able to, to get healthy. Yeah. Um, so tell us kind of about uh, that process. Why was it so complicated and surprising given that you knew you had a valve issue and then kind of what God showed you through that process? Yeah. And we did know I had a valve issue, but it was, we were watching it. So we didn't think that everything would go kaput. So quickly and so oddly, like to where we had to diagnose other health issues. So it turned out I had like uh, gallstone issues and things. And they're like, okay, well, what do we operate on first? Well, it's got to be the heart when you're in heart failure and everything else has to go by the wayside. Um, and that was the complicating factor was that I did have other health issues all combined. And they really, I think I've not really had a doctor spell this out for me, but I think what happened was the valve weakened. Uh, right before I got sick and the valve weakening is why I got so sick. And because it all happened within two days on a weekend, we, you know, there was nothing to be done about it. It just kind of snowballed into pneumonia and anemia and things that are really terrible for your body on a good day, much less when your heart's struggling. So that's what got us there. And then what was the second part of your question? I'm sorry. Um, just what, what did God show you through that process? Well, he showed me a lot of patience. Like I said, Maverick City's uh, wait on me or wait on the Lord. Um, that song was an anthem for me at the time because he just, uh, wait a minute, I printed the lyrics. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not faint. And that's what happens when you wait. Obviously, they're quoting scripture there, but um, the song sings through that and because I was doing so much waiting and not knowing what the answer was going to be and not knowing uh, the, the terrible part was because I went into heart failure, we did not know what the damage to my heart was going to be long-term. Mm. And so the real fearful part was, okay, yes, we can have surgery and surgery has like a 97% success rate. Um, there's all the other problems. Not, and let's not even talk about COVID being in the mix of this um, and all the protocols and things that were going on. Um, but it was scary because we didn't know after surgery what we would find out, what my lifestyle would be like. Uh, you know, I like to go hiking and walk with my kids and play football in the yard. And I'm not a super active or athletic person, but I love to do things and get up and move. And uh, so thinking to myself that I could be more limited, that that would, you know, I, I didn't want to think about being in a, a sort of heart failure or congestive heart failure for I'm 45 at the time that's not what I want to do right then in my life, you know, um, that was scary. And God just showed me to wait and trust him. And that was what I relied on the whole time, like doing the book, um, just being with my family, doing my job every day, uh, to the best of my ability, which wasn't a great amount. Like I'm sure I didn't teach as well that year as I could have any other year, but that year I did what I could as best as I could and tried to stay dedicated to God um, in all my actions. And that was, um, it was difficult. It was a fight. 
Well, it reminds me of just doing the next right thing. And that's, that's gospel. Like that's what, that's what Jesus tells us is to abide in him. You know, he says, I am the vine. Um, anyone who comes to me, you know, I mean, connect, staying connected to him is all through the story of the gospel. And a lot of times we want to know um, the future. We want to know the outcome. We want to know how we're going to feel if we walk through this or, you know, how the scenario is going to play out. And all he says is just stay connected to me mm-hmm. one day at a time. Yeah. I me stay, um, you know, link arms with me and trust me. And if we truly play that out in our lives and sometimes we're forced to like in your situation like you had no other no other choice than to just take that next step every single day and even though that was very difficult I'm sure that it really really showed you and took you into a deeper place of relationship with him because you had to you you saw the fruit of what it looked like to abide in him yeah right it it um I know we're going to run out of time, so I kind of, if y'all don't mind, I want to wrap it up with just one part of the story that God used to tie the whole thing together for me. Yeah. Um, oh, here we go. Found my piece here. So as I'm being wheeled into surgery, uh, I was in the hospital for five days before surgery, getting all kinds of tests and things run. Um, I knew based on some people that had told me in a book I had read that that moment was going to be the hardest because you've got family and nurses and people around you the whole time. I mean, at least for me, I mean, I've been very blessed to have a supportive family and kids and medical care. Um, But when they wheel you to surgery, you're in a pre-op room and you're without your support system and you're not with nurses and doctors, you know, and they're, they're moving around and they're, and I knew to expect this. And I knew that that was going to be lonely and scary. And so I, I guess in my mind, I'd built it up for 18 years that that was going to be the moment that I hated the most. Because um, also you do, whether the success rate is high or not, you're scared. What if I don't wake up? What if I don't come back from this? Um, and I, the guy that comes to wheel me out, he shows up super early, like earlier than expected. And uh, he's real. They're always loud and cheerful at the hospital. So like, good morning, you know, and I'm not one of those people that wake up well or easily in the morning. And so he shocked me quite a bit and he pulls me, well, he doesn't pull me out of bed, but I have to get out of bed and I have to go and prep some things to get on the gurney to go to surgery. And I don't know about y'all, but I talk when I'm nervous. I'm like little Barbara Walters running around like, what do you do? I'm going to ask you a thousand questions rather than talk about me or what I'm worried about or thinking about. So that's just what I do with this guy. And the first thing I ask him, of course, is what's your name? And you guys, he said his name was Moses. Uh-uh. Yes. Was it really? Um, it, what, I, I did not believe him. I thought I was getting pranked. I thought I was hallucinating. Um, was like, is your name really Moses? I said, that's on your birth certificate. And he told me the full name, which I'm not going to say. I don't remember it, to be honest. But Moses something, something. He had. He's like, that's what my mom put on my birth certificate. And I was like, well, lead the way. Wow. Because God could send you a David, a Paul, anybody and you that would kind of go under the radar but when you get wheeled into the most scary thing you've done in your life mm-hmm. by a guy named Moses no you you know God's with you right and uh so I knew that but the cool part was that as I'm um healing so probably 
I, I just don't know exactly what the time frame was, maybe 12 to 14 weeks after surgery. I'd been doing a ton of walking in my neighborhood uh, because that's how you get better and stronger quicker. And so I was walking and I decided I'm going to try a little jog. Mm. It's, you know, we'll see what happens. It's springtime. It felt good. So I start darting into a jog. And of course, the song I have playing on my music playlist is Wait on the Lord by Maverick City because it's what I would play when I walked at that point because it had carried me through so much. And I'm playing that song and I start to jog and I haven't jogged since before my surgery, maybe six months before my surgery. Um, I'm not sucking wind anymore. Like it, I actually can jog without a problem. And the, the music's on, and that's when it says, uh, they shall mount up on wings like an eagle, and they soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. Mm. And that was the exact part of the song when I'm sitting here able to jog in a way I've not probably ever been able to jog because I've had the heart issue my whole life. Uh, I realized just how much God had brought me through, and it dawned on me because I knew that Moses was important and it was such a comfort that day, but I knew there was more to the story. Um, I thought about Moses and I thought about this verse that had been uh, posted on my wall because when I found out I was going to be a Bible teacher, I was like, well, I better get some scriptures up on the wall. I have all these English posters. I need to put some scriptures up. And I found this pretty little picture and it said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Isaiah 43, 2. And I was walking by that every day and looking at it as I walked in and out of my classroom, you know, huffing and puffing down the steps every day. And I realized that for me, the way God tied all of this together was that Moses, that was my Red Sea crossing. Mm -hmm. And what I had fought so hard to avoid was um, Egypt. I was avoid, I wanted to stay where I was. I wanted to stay how I was and did not realize that there was a better on the other side. Um, and I certainly, and when you think about the crossing of the Red Sea, that's a terrifying moment for the Israelites. You've got the enemy right behind them. The walls of water are around them. It does not, it's not a comforting moment. It doesn't seem like there's going to be a victory. No, it does not. And so I think that was, for me, that parallel was drawn with the name Moses and just realizing that for me, uh, well, it's not a permanent victory. I'm not healthy for the rest of my life. Matter of fact, last week they called me in for a second mammogram and I'm like, what Lord? Like, and it, it all turned out fine. But I had another moment of just, you know, trying to settle that fear and that worry that kicks us. And, um, but I do know that for that heart surgery, that that was the lesson God showed me is that when we fear things and don't anticipate his goodness inside of it, um, we will look at it as if it's the worst thing that's happening when in fact it's bringing you towards a new thing. Yeah. Um, and the fact is I do, I feel so much better and I have so much more energy than I used to. And um, that is, I don't know. That's an amazing story. Amazing lesson for all of us. There's probably someone listening right now that needed to hear that very lesson that you learned. And um, you know, Fear sets in and it's so hard to overcome that, but God can help us do that. Not to, you know, just to remind us not to look to the scenarios of what could happen, which I do that so many times and the devil lies to us. We can build yeah. up things that like, we're like, how did that even come about in our minds? And we can be in a certain place that will never, ever come about. We can be there in our minds when God's just like, you know what? 
let me just be with you moment by moment. It reminds me of Mary Brantley's story last month with her daughter and the transplant, just not knowing what was going to happen. And her reminding us of like, you know what, just be with me in the present. God is saying, be with me in the present. Just like Ali said, abide in me. And what a beautiful, beautiful lesson. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today. We have one more question. How has perspective on life and your faith shifted since your surgery? Okay. Um, okay, so to get, before we get into the super Sunday school answer here, I'm going to tell you that as a mom, we are hard on ourselves. And uh, I think that was one of the perspectives that shifted for me is a little bit more uh, value on what I contribute to my family, to my career. Um, I laughed later because as I had to step out of everything, so, um, you know, I find out I'm in heart failure. And two days later, I have to, I worked for like a week after that, actually. That's kind of wild when I think about it. But um, again, staff super supportive here, and I was able to kind of do it at the level I could. But um, having to leave lesson plans and check out of your classroom that you do every day and just be like, I can't do this anymore. And, and look at your kids and say, okay, mom, dad, in-laws, husband here, you guys shuffle all this. I, I can't do that anymore. Um, by the time I shuffled around all of my duties, there were about 12 people on staff. <laughs> and I gained a lot of confidence and value for myself in that because I realized it took a lot. Like it was a big inconvenience for people to have to do what I was doing. And I also was a little stunned. It was like 12 people shuffling around. Now, you know, not that it takes 12 people to do what I do, but it did take 12 people, you know, pinch it for me to get that done. And it just caused me to be more assertive, to advocate for myself. Um, so that has definitely changed with that, um, just because I realized I do contribute and I do matter and uh, what I do matters. And it's, you know, I don't know, do y'all struggle with the mom guilt there? Like you, you think it matters, you know it matters, you know it's important, but at the same time, you feel like it's not that big of a deal. Like you, you maybe don't realize what you're contributing. Yes. I mean, I have older boys now and I'm like in college and I do have a sixth grader, but I mean, I know that I still am needed in their lives some way, but it is mm -hmm. like you even as they grow, you continue to struggle with like, okay, what am I here for? Yes. I pray for them. Yes. Even if I just encourage them once or twice a week, yeah. I'm still needed, but I still struggle with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jen, for sharing. Um, your story is beautiful and the lessons that you have learned from that are just so encouraging. Um, real quick, before we hop off, can you tell us where we can find your book? Okay, so my book, um, I have a Facebook page called uh, Princess Press, P-R-I-N-T-S-E-S-S, -S, um, Princess Press, and that probably is the easiest way to look me up, but where I sell it at is on Etsy. And it's also under a shop called Princess Press. Um, and that link is on my Facebook page. So okay. that's the easiest way to get me. We will add that yeah. to the show notes. So listeners, if you want to check that out, you can just uh, click on that link. Thank well. you so much, Jen. We are so proud of you for getting this book done that God called you to. And we're so proud of you and thankful that you shared your story. You guys, y'all are so gracious to have me. And I appreciate your time in doing this. And it's been a real treat. I appreciate it a lot.